So we are in our last of our Advent series as we observe the Sunday of Peace together today. And today we're talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And this kind of reminded me of this episode of The Crown that I watched recently. I don't know if you're a fan of the show. I'm actually not really a big fan of the show. Uh, my wife Becky is a bigger fan of the show and I just watch it with her once in a while. But this one episode that I happened to watch with her uh, was about, I don't know, well, I don't know if it's about this, but um, Prince Charles and uh, Princess Diana go to Australia and they try to, well, primarily Prince Charles tries to convince the country and continent of Australia to remain in the Commonwealth of um, Britain, Great Britain. And um, this season in particular really makes the family, the royal family, <laughs> look really bad. I wonder what their thoughts or feelings are towards this show, The Crown. But um, when Prince Charles goes to Australia and he's greeting people and he's doing these like press conferences, he comes off really bad, right? He, he makes all these jokes that nobody laughs at, that no one gets, and he doesn't understand the culture and the context of Australia. He didn't seem to do that much research on Australia. I think he just kind of went in thinking that he would win them over with his charm and with his bad jokes and um, with his nice suits or something. And the Australian people just don't really like him, right? As uh, the prince of the royal family. Princess Diana, on the other hand, they like love because she doesn't, she does, she's not a typical princess, you know, and so um, she understands uh, what it's like to be a commoner, right? And she's very relatable and she's very pretty. And so people uh, totally like that, right? And so in this episode, Prince Charles is totally jealous of Princess Diana and, um, you know, he gets really upset at her and uh, kind of, it's adding fuel to the flame of their already rocky marriage. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about what it must be like to be a prince, <laughs> to go into a foreign land and to try to convince them to be part of your uh, kingdom. But what would you say about someone who enters into a foreign land who actually knows it really well, right? And not only would he enter this land that he knows really well, he, he knows that this land would be very hostile towards him. And the people of this land would eventually find a way to arrest you without cause, to torture you through severe punishment, and ultimately, uh, convict you to execution on uh, this brutal death by hanging on a cross this is exactly what Jesus did he came to earth knowing that the people of earth whom he's trying to love and show peace would ultimately treat him horribly and execute him on the cross and leave him to die it was far worse than what uh, Prince Charles could have done 
because Jesus was well informed of the world that he was entering into. In fact, Jesus knew this world better than anybody else who lived in this, in this world. And he also knew exactly what the world needed. Jesus was chilling up in heaven, exalted, seated on his throne, and he made the decision to come down to this dirty, filthy, sinful, fallen world. He was up there being worshipped by angels, and then he came down to try and convince an ungrateful people. But still, Jesus came. Jesus was this omnipotent Son of God who would come in the form of a vulnerable baby. And yet, Jesus still came. He was this omniscient, all-knowing God who would have to learn to crawl and walk and talk like a human being. And yet, Jesus still came. He was there at the creation of the universe, and yet he became the created as a servant for all. And yet Jesus still came. Why did he come as he did? Well, the passage that we just read from is traditionally uh, the passage that is observed during Christmas Day, but Christmas just passed. And so we are looking, we're kind of treating today's Sunday gathering as a Christmas Eve gathering. Now, there are two birth narratives of Jesus' birth in the Bible. One is in Matthew, and the other one is in Luke, which we looked at today. And today is kind of like a continuation or a sequel to last week's sermon, because last week we looked at Luke chapter 1, and today we are looking at Luke chapter 2. Now, what makes Luke's account of Jesus' birth different from Matthew's is that uh, Luke himself, as the author, he is a big-time history nerd okay he is a historian by trade he was a physician but his hobby was that of a historian that's kind of like what he did as a hobby he loved history and you know that i don't know if you remember uh, from your history class in like high school and junior high but did you have that kid in your history class where he or she was always answering the questions like raising his hands and like begging the teacher to like pick him or pick her to answer the question well, Luke was that kid, okay? Luke loved history. And so it was very important for Luke to get all the historical details accurately. Uh, and so he, and, uh, he shares these discoveries with us, which is why Luke began today's passage in a very unique way, okay? In verse 1, he says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. Okay, now that might seem kind of like a throwaway point, but for Luke, it was very, very important because it is marking history, all right? Now, this decree that he talked about and that he mentions in verse 1 is the decree known as Pax Romana, all right? And that's Latin for Roman peace. This decree was issued by Caesar, Augustus, to be carried out in the entire Roman world, which was a large chunk of the world at that time. It was a you know, vast majority of Europe, uh, some parts of Asia, and even some parts of Africa. All right? So you know, it's like 
the Mediterranean and the extended Mediterranean world, which was all part of this huge Roman Empire. And this meant that uh, everyone in the Roman Empire had to live according to Roman culture, Roman life, Roman language, Roman literature, and Roman religion. Okay, if you are an inhabitant of the Roman Empire, whether or not you wanted to be, you had to live according to Pax Romana. And so those who were living in the Roman Empire had to register um, as a way of swearing allegiance to the Roman Empire and to Caesar. This was the world that Jesus was born into. At the height of Rome's power with an emperor who had a god complex. While the world's superpower government was establishing its place in the world and seeking to expand its kingdom and king-like figure as its head, Jesus quietly appeared in the middle of nowhere who was going to rival this worldly kingdom and ultimately all other kingdoms with his own spiritual kingdom that would last in eternity. Now, what's interesting about this at a very simplistic and even superficial level is that the goal of the Roman Empire and the goal of God by sending Jesus Christ was one and the same. Peace. Peace. However, the Romans' definition of peace and God's definition of peace were very different. For the Romans, it was a way of having the entire world under their dominion submitting to the Roman government authority or the Roman Empire authority. For God, uh, this idea of peace goes back, to, uh, goes back to the Old Testament idea of shalom, which is not the absence of war or the absence of conflict. It is this idea of wholeness or completeness ultimately found in unity with God knowing all of this knowing the world that Jesus would enter into knowing the questionable conditions of his birth knowing the modest family that he was a member of and knowing the extremely difficult life that he would live and ultimately the painful way that he would die why did Jesus still come well, Jesus came ultimately to bring peace. But why did he do so in such a difficult way? Why did he come in the way that he did? Couldn't he have come in other ways? Couldn't Jesus have sent angels uh, and not uh, come through this teenage girl, Mary? Couldn't Jesus have come as a full-grown full man? in all of his glory instead of this baby who's so vulnerable and dependent on his parents and and so there are so many other ways that jesus could have come but for some reason he came he decided to come this prince of peace decided to come in the form of this baby why why well ultimately the Prince of Peace came for communication. The Prince of Peace came for communication. Jesus' birth in this world communicates 
God's love for humanity. One of the primary roles that Jesus had as the Messiah was to communicate God's love for his people and God's will for the world. Throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, Jesus constantly preached about the kingdom of God and what it meant to be God's people and God's incredible love for his sons and daughters. And even when Jesus was performing miracles, it was a way of communicating God's love through his actions. It wasn't a way to communicate God's power. It was a way to communicate God's love. When Jesus was turning uh, five loaves and two fish to feed thousands of people, right? That wasn't to necessarily show off and to show his power. It was to, it's because the people were hungry and it was to show God's love for the hungry. When Jesus healed the sick, when he uh, healed the leopard, the man with leprosy, it wasn't because he wanted to show how amazing he was. It was because Jesus had empathy for that man and he loved that man. It was to show God's love. So the Prince of Peace came to communicate God's love. Even Jesus' very existence and appearance in this world communicates God is love. This is not only true in this up-down relationship that we have as human beings with God, but it is also true uh, in human-to-human relationships. If people desire to live in peace, communication, healthy communication, is a non-negotiable, right? If there is conflict, tension, or a misalignment of values between two close people, uh, it's important to communicate that in a productive, healthy way, where both people are clearly able to articulate their point of view, and the other person truly, genuinely listens. And that goes back and forth, right? Unfortunately, in some families, if there is a conflict, a default is often avoidance. But avoidance doesn't bring about peace. It simply delays conflict. <laughs> I don't know about your family, but in, in my family growing up, if we didn't like talk about our conflicts or like hash out certain like uh, tensions that were there, and we kind of like swept it under the rug, it doesn't go away. It actually just gets worse over time. It brews underneath and then it explodes and it turns into a way bigger problem later on. Check out verse 10 of today's passage, okay? The angel said to them, okay, the angel is communicating with them because God is love, right? And so God sends the angel to communicate God's words to them. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news. You see, this interaction foreshadowing what Jesus would do for the world, this angel came to bring good news for Joseph and Mary. But Jesus came into the world to bring good news for all people, for the lost, the broken, the sinners, the rejects. 
Jesus came to communicate the good news of God's love to those who need it most. But if that were the only reason why Jesus came, it wouldn't be enough. God could have communicated this message of good news by sending thousands of angels, like millions of angels, to every single person just the way that he did to Joseph and Mary and to the shepherds, all right? Um, but Jesus came for another reason. The Prince of Peace came for connection. The Prince of Peace came for connection. I mentioned a couple weeks ago um, when we talk about love, okay, is that like love communicates, connects, and cares, right? Uh, it, since God loves us, okay, he communicates with us, and he connects with us, and he ultimately cares for us. This is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ embodied love, right? And because love communicates, connects, and cares, this is why Jesus came. Jesus desired to know his people and to be known by his people in a real way, okay? In a tangible, palpable way. He wanted to teach, train, befriend, share, heal, and love in a real way, in a human-to-human -human way as equals. How amazing is that, right? He knew that he's not an equal, yet he decided to come as an equal, not only as the Son of God, but also as the Son of Man. Look with me at verses uh, 6 and 7 of today's passage. It says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, which was a feeding trough for animals, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I don't know if you've ever wondered this, but I always wondered why Jesus had to come in the way that he did. Right? Why was he, um, why were Mary and Joseph his parents? Right? Um, why was he born in a cave? Most likely it was a cave and he was surrounded by all these animals. And why was he placed in a manger, a feeding trough for these animals, which was probably filthy, right? And covered in crumbs and animal spit and God knows what, right? And scripture tells us also in John chapter 1 that Jesus was present from the very beginning of time, which means that he, this was the first time that he is experiencing what it's like to be a baby right so why did he why did he choose to come in this such like lowly and vulnerable way and not only that jesus was born with far less than most people in the world at the time and i believe that part of the reason why jesus chose to start his life on earth um like anyone else did, okay, as a baby, is because he truly wanted to know what it was like to be a human. He needed to go through that experience firsthand. Jesus was the Son of God, but he was also the Son of Man. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not know sin. 
The humility that Jesus embraced in order to come to us in the form of this vulnerable baby is something that we will never understand. Well, why would he do this? Well, he wanted to, as I shared earlier, he wanted to know us and he also wanted to be known by us. Jesus desired real human connection. But let's think of this other example, okay? Let's imagine that instead of being born to Mary, this teenage girl, and Joseph the carpenter, let's say he was born to Caesar, okay? Since Jesus was born during the Roman Empire in the first century, right? Which is historically the most powerful government to have ever existed, all right? America has nothing on the Roman Empire, okay? Now, imagine Jesus was the son of Caesar. It actually would be pretty easy for Jesus to have followers, right? I mean, he would just like mandate it, right? And it would probably be part of the Roman decree, which is the Pax Romana, right? Kind of forcing everyone to worship him and follow him and to call him God. But that is not leading people through love. That is leading people through fear and dominance and power. Jesus came in the form of this vulnerable baby, the son of Joseph and Mary, because he led with humility and love and grace and empathy. And ultimately, this is what blows my mind, okay? Jesus sitting in heaven, kind of knowing the kind of life that he would live, knowing how he would be born to Joseph and Mary, knowing that while he was doing his ministry for the last three years of his life, he was going to be homeless, knowing how he would be arrested, um, convicted as a criminal, tortured, whipped, and stripped naked, and carrying that cross up that hill, shamed and viewed by thousands of people, being mocked, and being nailed to that cross to die this gruesome death. He knew all of this. Which kind of blows my mind, is that the Prince of Peace came for the cross the Prince of Peace came for the cross. Jesus was ultimately born to die. Jesus was born to die this gruesome death on the cross. And it had to be him. It had to be him. I've wondered many, many times when I was younger um, why it had to be Jesus. Like Because if the fate of the world was in my hands. How incredibly selfish would it be for me to not uh, sacrifice my life for the sake of the entire world, right? Like, what kind of sociopath would do that? <laughs> but uh, it, it couldn't be me because I'm not perfect, okay? I, I, I'm, my, my blood is not sufficient for, to atone for the sins of the world. It had to be the precious blood of Jesus Christ that had to be sacrificed. This is why Jesus uh, 
besides being the Prince of Peace, uh, other nicknames that he has is that he's the Lamb of God, ultimately because he is the ultimate sacrificial lamb um, that would die for all of our sins and atone for all the wrongs that we have done. Humanity was separated from God because of our innate sin and shortcomings, as Romans 3.23 reminds us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ultimately, Jesus was born into this world so that he could die a death on a cross. It couldn't be my blood. It couldn't be your blood. It couldn't be an angel's blood. It had to be the precious blood of the Son of God to redeem this broken world. And it all started with this little baby in a manger. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. I usually leave us with a challenge or a reflection for the week, but for today's message, I don't think that's necessary. If anything, I'd just like for us to meditate on the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, not just today, but till the rest of this year, which is just a couple more days. Particularly of why Jesus came. To communicate God's love for his people. To connect with his people in a real and tangible way. And to die the death on the cross. So that we could live um, this life with God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you have made. When you could have come in a variety of ways, Lord, you decided to come, you chose to come in the form of this vulnerable, helpless baby who was dependent, utterly dependent on his parents until you reached a certain age and then just lived this perfect life. Lord, thank you for being that model for us and for being the good, good God that you are. Lord, from the very beginning of time, you saw what we would need. You saw whom would we, we would need and you did not spare even your only son so that we would be united with you. Lord, may we look at the example of Jesus Christ and follow in his lead, living a life of love, humility, grace, and empathy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.